Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Tonelli, and I'm joined this week by Patrick Kagongo and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite. Today, we're talking to Chris Mulhern about Untitled Number 5, which is Joey O'Brien's latest part, and it's so fucking good. Back in February, you and Joey dropped a part for Alien Workshop. Then four months later, you dropped this 10-minute masterpiece. Uh, did all this skating happen within those four months, or were you working on both projects simultaneously? Yeah, that, that we, we kind of filmed both at the same time. He, he's someone I skate with every weekend. Like, if I'm home in Philly, you know, he's the person I hit up and we go film. And I don't know, a lot of times guys will do, you know, like you'll, you'll have two frontside flips at a spot. So I, I just wanted to kind of use all his footage. So, you know, slowly put a little bit out and then save the very best stuff, which went to the Untitled 5. So like, how does that, like, were you working on Untitled 5 and then Aliens like, hey, we need a part? Or was it always these two parts happening at the same time? Really, I, I was just doing the Untitled with Joey, and then kind of a big reason he got on Workshop was uh, was Mark Suchu. I think he kind of reached out to Brandon Conroy maybe like a year ago, mm-hmm. and uh, and kind of like you know pushed to have him get on, which I thought was cool because Joey's so good and never really you know he's been floated by a lot of board brands, but no one's ever really kind of made it official or you know fully supported him so i think mark had a lot to do with that which was cool i i I was just excited for him and i was totally down to share some footage and like i said kind of use maybe not the very best stuff and and make a little welcome edit for him for workshop so chris first of all uh thank you for joining us on the podcast tonight and uh, congratulations because first of all this is an awesome part released just around the right around the corner from 4th of July, which means we got something that we can dig into over the long weekend. And I really like this part because it kind of feeds into this narrative of a Philly renaissance. Not to say that Philly ever went away, but just like with Jameer Brown's clips that have been coming out, a lot of the Muni footage that's been coming out on social media uh, from the on the ground perspective, like what's it felt like for y'all? Like there's more, I feel like there's more attention being directed towards Philly. Are y'all feeling it? And like, how is it resonating around the city and in the immediate like suburbs? Yeah, I think for a long time, not many people here got much shine or at least industry wise, you know, I feel like maybe around like 2010, the kind of the last decade, there hasn't been, you know, there's been a lot happening here. I've always known that and always seen it, but I feel like kind of just in the last few years, a lot of these guys are finally getting sponsored and, you know, becoming part of these brands, which is cool to see. It's not just one company, you know, it's a good mix of people on a a wide range of brands. I don't know. It's a good scene. I've always felt that way about Philly. Um, I've never really had a desire to leave here. For me, it's always been really fun and and motivating to film here. And, you know, there's tons to skate. There's Muni, which is obviously a great plaza. And then there's kind of more cutty spots all over the city. Uh, I kind of wanted to dig into that, that part about uh, cutty spots because um, I actually own a copy of your, I want to, is it your first video? I'd rather skate Cecil. Yeah. 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 So I bought that uh, when it came out from a little, it was a mall skate shop in Bethesda, Maryland when I was living in DC at the time. And oh, I absolutely loved it. And, you know, I think there was a slap message board at the time, but I was in I was in school and really focused on that. And I was just enjoying the skating. And I love the fact that it was definitely like Philly suburbs plus South Jersey area. And mm-hmm. I love the soundtrack. And what have you learned being a filmer, being around Philly, like since that time, you know, releasing an independent video about that scene. And especially now where it's like, there could be, you know, micro scene within a scene that exists solely on Instagram and there's people all over the world watching it. It's not just, you know, something that trickles out over a region, like for me being at the mid-Atlantic at the time. Like what's that, what's that been like as a filmer seeing your audience broaden? The fact that there's probably kids in France tonight chilling on the gram watching it. I think when I did the CISO video at, at that point in my life, I, I was actually still skating a lot. And you know, I actually didn't want to film all the time. I was trying to film film tricks myself. But I think meeting Jimmy McDonald was kind of like a, a big eye-opener in a way because I, I saw how good he was. And again, like he didn't really have any sponsors. He didn't have, you know, a place in the skate industry. And that kind of blew my mind. Like, how is this guy such a good skater? And he's not really getting much attention. So I think meeting him skating with him at temple and at cecil which you know that video was based off of 
it, it just made me want to kind of show him in, in the in the best light I could. And, and he was so good at skating. It, it was it was so fun to film him. And I, I think that really got me that shifted my attention to more is like filming full time, editing a lot. And uh, yeah, I, th I think he had a lot to do with, you know, the reason I'm doing what I am now, because he kind of showed me what was possible with his skating and what you could do with, you know, the right amount of footage. And, but also that time of, in Philly skating was tough because downtown wasn't even a thing, you know, Lo love park had been renovated. So you, you couldn't even get time in there without, you know, cops coming, you would get tickets and Muni back then, again, you couldn't even skate in there either. Security would kick you out immediately. So we were kind of forced to, to go to more spots and just kind of search around Philly and uh, just make the best of it. But I guess that's the biggest difference now from, from that time period is downtown is kind of thriving. And, you know, we just go to Muni every day. It's kind of a given. You're going to see other skaters there. You know, all, all these guys you see on Instagram are actually there every day and skating and filming. So it's, it's been fun. It's, it's been fun to see kind of like both both eras of, of Philly skating and, and both styles where, you know, you're in the car driving to some spots or now you can just spend a whole day at Muni and film there. Chris, Jason here. A big fan. Def definitely since this time tomorrow, probably few and far between. But uh, yeah, this time tomorrow was the first one that I really, you know, got the physical copy and like peeped heavily. One thing okay. I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. One thing I've noticed is kind of like the emphasis on the architecture in the city in which you're filming and maybe a little bit of a clock visual motif. Am I using that term right? I'm not a film dude. Yeah. Yeah. yeah visual motif. Yeah. Like it was the cover art for this time tomorrow shows up a little bit in uh, the new one on title of 05. And yeah, if you could just speak on that a little bit, like architecture and any, any visual motifs you might have going on. I, I think have you guys been to Philly before? Have you ever visited here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Skated plenty of times. there a few times. Okay. I, I, for me, I even even when I see City Hall, like nowadays, you know, after this much time, I'm still kind of impressed by that building. So I think growing up coming down here and, and seeing all that from an early age, I don't know. I, I was always kind of gravitated towards filming that, that stuff and incorporating the environment into, you know, where people were skating. Um and I think, yeah, with, with this time tomorrow, I, I made, I'm sure you guys realize, but I, I've, every part I kind of edited day to night and vice versa. And I still do that now. Like for me, it's weird to kind of mix day and night footage. So even when I do an edit now, I, I try and group all that together in a mm -hmm. similar fashion, maybe not so, so to, you know, to a T as that video, but um, yeah, that, that stuff is still carried on to what I'm doing now. And it just, it just has always made sense to me to, you know, put all the night stuff together and, and slowly transition to that. Or, but I think Philly is a is a really good looking city. And when you, you know, when you go to the West Coast, it's just it doesn't have the same vibe or the same feel. So, nope. Yeah, ma making making these videos here, I always thought, oh, you know, it's important to incorporate that into into these skate edits. You know, not too much, but just like you know, just the right amount to to give a feel for what it's like out here. Yeah, and kind of digging into that point about the West Coast, being um, the person on the pod who's based in L.A., what do you think it is about Philly that continues to capture the imagination with skating? Because, I mean, for a lot of us, the introduction was Eastern Exposure 3. Like, that is considered, like, a foundational text for Philadelphia skating. That and, like, 411... Um, retrospective on Philly it introduced a lot of us to a lot of, to a lot of the skaters the style the style of skating the the and also just like the scene as a whole what do you think is like that enduring appeal because like San Francisco's changed LA has changed New York continues to change of course Philly obviously has changed I mean the city is I'd like to say I'd like to think is less dangerous than it was in the 1990s um, but at the same time though it seems like the there's something about the skating that has I don't know. It's like it's almost like it's like uh, it's like polishing a diamond. Like now we're actually getting to see it sparkle after all of this time, and like lots and lots and lots of different skaters and different crews putting their spin on it. Like, what is it? Like, what do you think is that enduring appeal? Yeah, I, I think there's just so much skate history here, and there, there's been so many different generations and uh, and even movements. Like you said, Eastern Exposure that was kind of 
you know, people out in the street and exploring the city and, and then, uh, you know, following that was more like a, a plaza movement, which is kind of, I feel like is more so what's happening here right now. You know, people love to just skate Muni film, you know, film a whole part there. And I think they're kind of, it's kind of a nod to, you know, Kalis and Stevie and what those guys did because, you know, they, they wanted this to focus and film at love and that was their thing. And then you also have people here today who, who want to search out spots, which is kind of what Ricky and Dan Wolf and those guys did, you know, in Eastern Exposure. So it, it, it's cool to see all the different crews here and uh, everyone. Yeah, like you said, everyone ha has their own spin on it and kind of, uh, you know, it's gravitated towards the style of skating that they like. You know, you, you don't have to stay downtown if you don't want to. You can you can branch out. And, uh, you know, there's tons to skate here, whether you're in Center City or you're West Philly or North, there's there's a lot of options. Yeah. On the on the topic of, you know, branching out with spots and that kind of thing, as a uh, former resident of central New Jersey, definitely psyched on all the Princeton Fountain footage in the park. Uh, if you could talk a little bit about just like the vibe up there, like bus factor locals, what it's like to skate there, all that type of shit. That I'm pretty sure Princeton is kind of done right now. I think last time I went, a lot of things were renobbed and they had installed some cameras and oh, you know, security would come really quick, but that had a good run. I mean, that was a couple of years of, you know, a lot of weekends there that were bus free. I, I just think it got too hot. You know, it's, that, that's kind of one, one downside of Instagram I'd say is, you know, we're all guilty of it, but, you know, when you post things, you know, it, it brings more attention to the spot, more people go. And I, that that certainly didn't help, but um, it, it did have a good run. Hmm. Actually, I kind of want to dig into that. As a filmer, what's the journey been like for you going from an era where videos were almost made in secret to now people can poach footage? You might be posting some of the B-roll that was shot on your phone. Uh, you might be sharing some of your warm-ups over Instagram, maybe just do a quick footage dump on YouTube. As a creative person, as a filmer, how have you been managing this? And like, how have you been reckoning with it? Because it's difficult for music, you know, looking at this, say, from my background as a musician, but also as a skater, but like, especially for filming skating, like this whole world that's opened up on Instagram, how do you make, make people care about your shit, man? Oh, like it's so overwhelming these days, the, the pace you have to, to, you know, try and maintain, but I don't know. I, I still focus on, on the bigger projects, like the, you know, the thing I did with Joey, like we spent years on that. And I don't know. I think if you put in the time and effort, you can still make an impact with something like that. Like the, the response that that video got, I, I was shocked because nowadays it's, there's so many edits coming out it's so oversaturated it's really hard to get a response anymore when you release something but i don't know he put in a lot of work and he's a great skater and i feel like if you do put in the time you can still kind of you know achieve that impact but it, instagram is tough it's it's kind of like you have to do it to stay relevant but i think i'll at the same time a lot of people kind of shoot themselves in the foot you know with Princeton, I guess, as an example, you know, if you're posting a spot a bunch, of course, a lot of people are going to start going and, you know, that's going to bring more heat on it. And, or, you know, a lot of times I feel like skaters learn of really crazy tricks and rather than film it for their video part, they'll just kind of put it on Instagram. And then when their part comes out, no one's really surprised because they've already seen it, you know? It's tough, man. I don't even really have the answer because you do need to participate in it. But I don't know. I think you have to kind of find a middle ground because you can kind of kind of hurt yourself. You know, if you go too far in either direction, you got to do a little bit of Instagram. You got to still work on parts, but it's a tough balance. I feel that because one thing I've noticed is that or not so much noticed um, getting stuff ready, creating content for Instagram is it's a job in itself. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, like it's not. It's like, and it's a continual thing too, because like you have to keep people engaged. Yeah, I mean, even when I finish an edit, I think, oh, I'm finally done. And then every company is like, hey, can we get a trailer? Can we get a story? Can we get this? And yeah, that becomes a whole a whole other week of you know putting that stuff together. But it, it's it's definitely tough to to keep up. It, it's exhausting, really. But so you said you're you're like making trailers for like 
all the different companies and I'm sure Thrasher wanted a trailer and stuff like that. Like, how did it end up on Thrasher? Because I think the previous one was on Transworld, right? Yeah, in the, in the past, I kind of have just, basically the, the music is, is really hard. It's really hard to license stuff. And uh, a lot of times if you just try and upload it to YouTube, it, you know, it'll get blocked if you don't have the rights. And I, I just know Thrasher has, you know, they have the biggest audience. And, uh, and, and Tony Vitello, he's, he's super supportive. And I know he likes a lot of the skaters out here. So last year I just reached out to him to see if, you know, he would be down to, to support the rest of the series. I think I have six or seven more in the works right now with a, a bunch of different skaters. So, Oh, damn. No idea when, or, you know, it's, it'll be some probably over the next couple of years they'll come out, but um, you know, he, he was super supportive and had seen the other ones. And I, so that yeah, it was really helpful in getting out there too. It's good for Joey, you know, it's good for, for everyone, I think. Yeah, it seems like Thrasher is kind of the pinnacle, and yeah, I'm sure it helps to have a budget for um, for the music. Uh, that's another thing I wanted to ask about is the music. There's that Philip Glass track, and um, it, that, to me, kind of felt like a nod to the workshop, along with, like, a lot of your cutaway work, like, felt very Alien Workshop. Is that is that kind of the direction you were going with that? Oh, yeah, for 100%. I mean... When, when I started doing the untitled videos, that's when Workshop was, was finished. So in my mind, it was kind of a way to, you know, not keep it going, but keep that aesthetic going, keep that vibe alive. Um, mm -hmm. I think the first one of these came out in 2016. So yeah, I don't think Workshop had come back yet. But yeah, the Philip Glass song, that was in an old trailer for uh, Photosynthesis. Yeah, I remember that. So, and I, I guess I felt a little bit like, oh, am I reusing the song? But it really didn't have any skating in it. It was just the whole video sped up mm -hmm. as, as the commercial. So, yeah, definitely a nod to, to Workshop. And uh, I felt like it just fit well with Joey and the, and the way that song builds. And, you know, yeah, but for sure, that, the whole thing is Workshop influence. All the... Uh, for, for me as a kid, those older videos, I think it made me see the importance of, of B-roll and, you know, mixing, mixing together this like collage of, of footage where it's not just trick after trick. You know, there's kind of little cutaways and, and little things that complement the trick in between. And I, I kind of like experimenting, like just filming weird, random things, just seeing what, I, you know, what I can get and... Uh, yeah, I, I think the the rest of the edits will will carry on that vibe as well. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like this video, came, your video came out as I was editing last week's podcast, where we were talking about the Uto part, and like that part, it was just tricks, and we were all just kind of like Mike said, whelmed, you know, not overwhelmed, not disappointed. It was just like, oh yeah, Uto is pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. But your this part or um, Untitled Five. It like made made me feel something, you know, and like I think a lot of that was like the B roll and your editing and like the music and everything. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't have a question with that, but uh. oh no, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thanks a lot. Do we want to get into some tricks? There, I feel like there's a lot of tricks in here that have to have some kind of a backstory. Um, I'll, I'll start off with the thread the needle kickflip. Like, how did that one come about? Um, through the the sign. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't even know. I, the one cool thing about Muni is there's kind of always random things in there, whether it's on the outskirts or, you know, there's always barriers and stuff like that that the city's using. And I, I think that was just against the stairs one day. And I, I think I asked Joey, I was like, oh, do you think you, can, you could ollie through that? And he did that pretty easy. And uh, he's got a really good kickflip. So I figured, oh, if he could ollie it, I'm sure he could, he could kickflip it. But I don't, that wasn't hard for him, if, if I remember correctly. You're joking. Um, no, that, that was, I think that was pretty quick. That, that's one of the older clips in there also. He, he, I don't know, he's one of the guys where if he can ollie it, he can kickflip it. Un unless there's height involved, that yeah. might be one thing. But if it's mm -hmm. like a gap or some stairs or, yeah, for sure, he's got really good kickflip. Okay, so then follow up to that. Um, so where is the, I think it's like uh, towards the end, second half, it's a double kinked rail where he clears the first half, lip slides the bottom half. Um, is that Albany? Yeah, that's Albany. Yeah, that thing is is insane. Yeah. Um. Actually, yeah. Could you like could you speak on that? Because like Albany has like upstate and also Western New York have really really dope scenes. And 
you know, it's sort of something that you've been seeing floating around on quarter snacks. You've been seeing it on workshop and bronze related stuff. Like, um, like what is it like? What is it like? Especially because um, you know the the winters are significantly more harsh. Like, what is it like going up to to film up that way? Because I've only skated there a couple times, and that was back when I was a teenager. Okay, I think I, my first time there was probably about two years ago. I, I didn't really know about that spot. And again, it was all Instagram. I think I saw a clip of John Shanahan skating those ledges along the fountain. And I was like, oh man, we should go, we should go up there. And I knew that the, the, uh, the smaller rail was there because that's been in kind of old workshop videos and, uh, and static videos. But I had no idea that all that stuff was at one spot. Like that, that place is insane. And just the, the feel you get there, I can't explain it, but those towers and stuff, it, it almost feels like you're in the future. It's it's a weird um, yeah, it's a weird place. But it looks like a spaceship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's just, it, the architecture is amazing. The ground's really good and it just goes forever. And then all around with, within that whole block, there's other little things like that gap to rail is kind of on like the outskirts. I think we looked at that thinking, oh, maybe you could, you know, grind the whole thing or like lip slide through it. But uh, Joey said he felt more comfortable trying to, to go all the way to the bottom and to try and go through the kinks. And when, when he skates stuff like that, he has to ollie the stairs first. So just watching him try to ollie this double set was was insane. But I, I don't know. He he loves skating that type of stuff. He loves flying downstairs and and rails and things. So yeah, like his pinch game, especially uh, with regards to like kink rails, like the tail slide down the the kind of long L L kink shaped rail, um, like his half cap crooks on rails, like. Mm-hmm. I gotta ask: Is it coming like naturally, or is it something where it's like um, there's a trick list? Like because his control and his ability is like it's it's overwhelming. Like it's one thing to see it; it's one thing to see it on the West Coast, um, where you see folks who are skating their TF all the time, or they're skating a perfect skate park, and then they're taking it to the streets. And I'm assuming that this is how he skates on a regular basis, and just like his pinch and his control, but especially on those types of rails, like. As a filmer, like for you, like do you ever like find yourself like putting down the camera and just being like, damn, he really did that. Oh yeah, he's I mean, he still surprises me now. I'd say it's fifty fifty. Like some things come easy for him and then some definitely don't. The the one, the switch kickflip into like a, a slanted wall and he does a switch front heel, like a really crusty bank. Mm-hmm. Those were like a battle. We, you know, we went back a few days for those, just because the the ground is so bad, the landing. So those, yeah, those were tough. But then, yeah, there's other things where the, the a lot of those rail tricks were it came pretty fast. He does have a skate park, I think. Out, out he lives a little bit outside of Philly, maybe like mm-hmm. a 45 minute drive. But he does have a park out there with a really good marble ledge. Definitely not like your typical park. There's like a little five stair rail. It, you know, it's nothing I'd say you're training on. Like, sure, you're you're practicing, I guess, but nothing no. to prepare you for like that gap to nose grind. No, definitely not. But two, the other crazy thing is all his footage that just came on weekends because he, you know, he works full time. He's a he does carpentry, mm-hmm. so he doesn't really come out to film during the week. He'll skate a little bit if he has time, kind of out where he lives. But yeah, he'll just come to Philly on the weekend and we'll either go there or drive somewhere for the weekend, but no, his body might not be able to handle it. But if he could skate seven days a week, I mean, he might've had an 18 minute part. I don't know. <laughs> See, but that's, that's the yeah, thing that makes I, this relatable, right? Like we all work regular day jobs and yeah. so does he. And he put this out. Like that's, that's what I think is the difference between him and Yuto. No knock on Yuto or any skater who is like young enough and being paid enough to be able to do this full time. But like, that's the fascinating thing. So it takes like a certain amount of discipline to be able to do this. Yeah. And he, he's honestly, he's had no interest in like sponsors or, you know, making it in skateboarding, which is, it's refreshing to film someone like that too. He just loves skating. He wants to make video parts, you know, and, and have that end product, but it's, it's just for himself really. That's crazy. Yeah. It kind of, kind of blows my mind that, someone who's skating at this level isn't professional but i guess that's tight if you just you know he's on that vibe skating on the weekend yeah i i I think that's probably on the horizon now but yeah um, yeah yeah back to the control there's a ton of legitimately shocking tricks in this part one of them is at muni 
I don't even know what you'd call this, like a overturn, overturned sushi grind or like mm-hmm. an alley-oop backside when he knows grind. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that something that's just in his bag of tricks or was he kind of like thinking like, you know, maybe I can do this type of thing? He he's pretty good at that. Actually. He's, he's almost backside flipped into that. Not, a, not at Muni, um, a different spot that was a little bit yeah. lower of a ledge, but uh, I don't want to say he can do that every try, but that, I don't think that was too hard for him. You know, he obviously learned it somewhere else and then we just figured out a line for it at Muni. But um, that's the thing. He's a really good ledge skater. Like he, he can do rails, gaps. I don't, he's good at everything. And he doesn't really look like a rail skater skating ledges i don't know he 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 looks good you know doing lines and doing these technical tricks yeah and really tasteful trick selection like the hat the was it front side half cab front side 5-0 where it was like perfectly yeah. balanced like, yeah i really like that one yeah you don't see that too often really he's uh yeah. he's so critical of himself too he he didn't like that line there's a lot of things in there that he doesn't like but in a way he kind of left it to me he to pick but yeah, he, he's really critical, which is good. You know, you don't want to love everything you do, but I think he he sees these flaws in his skating that, that no one else will. So sometimes I had to just not override him, but just say, hey, man, you're, you're being kind of crazy. And we, we have a mutual friend, too, who we showed, like, rough edits to throughout. And, you know, we would get his opinion just, just to make Joey feel better. Like, all right, yeah, I guess it's fine. <laughs> okay. So um, how does the edit come together? Like, how much... Uh, input does Joey have? I mean, it sounds like he's he's pretty involved, and you guys kind of make it as a partnership. Like, wh- what is that like? Is, is he suggesting music, or he kind of let me do all the music stuff? And basically, I, I kind of just made an edit and showed him, and then I think he more focused on like you know what what would help balance this out because I know an earlier rough edit he had a lot a lot of rails, a lot of he- like gnarly tricks. And we realized, hey, you're a great ledge skater. I think we should try and just focus on a bunch of lines. And that's when we got a lot more at Muni, got some of those Albany lines at that plaza. Um, so I think more he was, you know, I worried about the edit. He worried about what do I need, you know, trick-wise to maybe balance this out a bit and just make it feel more well-rounded. So how many edits are you doing? Are you just like every weekend you like throw the new tricks in and you're like, okay, like... Yeah, we need a little more of this, a little more of that. How's how's that go? Yeah, it's definitely. I I probably spent uh maybe like six months editing. Really, I mean, I I do it as a work in progress. Like once I feel like we're close and we have like a substantial amount of footage, I'll I'll do kind of like a basic rough cut. Come back to it almost every other day. I I put in a, a lot of time with the edit because I think. You know, sometimes I'll spend a day editing and then I look at it the next day and I hate it. I hate what I did. Maybe I, I have the same problem Joey does with his skating with my editing. But uh, I don't know. I definitely I, I can't just edit something in a day and be like, ah, this is good. Let's put it out. You know, so definitely a work in progress. And we continue to film while I edited. You know, we added things in either or replaced things. And then the last step was was all the B-roll, filming all that stuff just finding the right spots for it with the music and, and things like that. Would you say that you are in competition with yourself or are there other filmers who you feel like these are my peers, I'm trying to go up against them? I, I'm not really competitive at all. And, and to be honest, if, if I make something and I, and I feel good about it, that, that's really all I care about. Like, I, I don't I don't look on Slap or any of that. You know, of course, I see Instagram comments, but I, I'm not really searching out everyone's approval i don't know because i'm already i'm already pretty tough on myself and if i just feel good about what i made and it feels solid then that's kind of enough for me well i don't think i've seen anything critical about it you know i've done my research based on i think yeah i think slapboard like has your back like i think as a, as a collective i think they're fucking big fans so Okay, because I mean, it's <laughs> uh, of course in the in the when I was younger, of course I looked on yeah, there, yeah. but it, it's it's tough, man. It's tough to read, you know, ne- really harsh things, and you, it does affect you no matter how much you want to pretend it doesn't. So I'm kind of just at a point where if I feel good with what I made, then uh, I don't need to go, you know, seek out the the hate or all that stuff. But well, I mean, like it was definitely a hit with the uh, my many skateboard group chats. So that's okay. a big one right there. The old heads love it. 
<laughs> okay, good. Um, and actually, like, kind of like thinking about that, if you could give any advice to, I mean, and now it's going to be kids, like kids who are starting to film, they're graduating from doing uh, phone edits, they're picking up some equipment, they're learning how to edit uh, for real, for real. Or not, maybe they're continuing to work on the phone, but they're actually becoming more conscious about what they're what they're releasing. What are some what's some things that you've learned along the way that you would like to pass down to them? Especially and less about like the technical, but more like managing like like let's keep it funky, like managing some skaters' egos, managing like industry politics and things like that. Because I feel like the technical stuff you learn it or you don't, but there's also like a, an element of people management as well. Yeah, I mean, th that's probably the number one question I get. Like a lot of kids will reach out to me, wh which is cool. And I, I try and I try and t give them, you know, or tell them what my path was or, or how it happened for me. And to be honest, I don't even know and to some extent. But I always try and tell them, hey, just find some really good skaters that live near you and, and go film them, you know, ask them if you can work on a project together. Because um, that I think that's kind of the best way to hone your own skills, uh, you're going to help the skater, and then you're going to have something to show at the end of that. You know, you're going to have a piece that you did that can kind of show what you're capable of. Because I think that you know, it's a, like a little portfolio in a way. And that, it's funny, a lot of kids when they reach out to me, they think, "Oh, how how can I apply for a job at this company?" Or or do you need like an intern? And it's just the skate industry just doesn't work like that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> job it's, you kidding it's, me? it's so much about who you know and uh you just have to try and build relationships with uh with, with the good skaters at your disposal i think that's kind of like a, a good starting point and you know if you're making good stuff people are going to notice that and you know you're going to gain a following and you know things can fall into place from there i think that's kind of the the best way to go about it but yeah, what, what was the other part of your question? Sorry, I don't know if I answered everything. Um, no, like uh, that answers most of it. Um, I guess okay. like about the part about, I guess like the people management part, like like let's say they actually, they start getting somewhere. Let's say that maybe like a shop flows them a bit of money or they decide to take some money from their day job and start putting that towards um, towards making maybe another video or a series. Like, like what would you tell them about managing people's ex there managing skaters expectations because i'm sure in your experience like you've had to deal with um you know some diva behavior <laughs> you you have to be very patient you, honestly you have to you have to be on call too like all the time you have to be available for for the skaters and you know that's tough sometimes like Temp templeton when you reached out to me i was thinking oh man I, I might be out filming when you guys want to record this just because i, I never really know and that definitely gets harder you know I, i'm getting older now so that's not as easy to do anymore but um you gotta you just have to go with the flow to be honest because you can never set a date or time and say oh we're gonna go film this at three on tuesday because it's definitely not going to work out like it, it just never goes how you think you know, the skater might not be feeling it that day or uh, there's there's so many variables that come along with it. Yeah, you just got to be really patient, I think. Is Joey um, a morning skater or an afternoon skater or an evening skater? I'd say he gets out by like 12, 1. Not, not early, not late, though. He, he's good, though. You know, he's not like out partying or anything. He, he's super motivated. Like with him, I don't have to do anything. Like he's already ready to go, has some ideas, or maybe I'll suggest something. Um, yeah, he he's easy, but for sure it's tough because uh, I don't want to. You know, I can't throw anyone under the bus, but no, it, this, it, this isn't the bunt. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's hard, man, because everyone works differently. Every skater has a different routine. And you just have to be able to go along with that. And that's another thing. You have to learn how everyone operates and, and be able to, to kind of handle that. Because if you can't, you know, they're going to want to film with someone else. So that, that's, yeah. For me, when I was younger, I had very little social skills, to be honest. Like, I was super quiet. It was hard for me to go up to people and say, hey, do you want to film this? Let's try this. Um, that's something that came with time and, and age. But uh you know, if, if you're good with that, that that's important because you have to be able to build a relationship with the skater. So they're comfortable to film with you. And, you know, they, they, did, they need to have faith in, in what you're doing and, and also be comfortable around you while you're while you're filming.
Yeah, along along those lines, what's it like filming with Sushu? Because it seems like he would be a total consistent trick machine, you know, but it also seems like he would have a really like strong point of view as to how like he wants shit to look and that kind of thing. Yeah, he trying to think how to put this. We just went on a couple of trips together. Like we actually just drove to North Carolina so he could skate one spot because he knew what he wanted to do. He wanted to shoot a specific photo. So we drove down there. He did the trick probably like, I don't know, 20, 30 tries and that was it. So with him, yeah, I'd say it's really kind of premeditated where he knows exactly what he wants to do. He just has to get to the spot and do it, which is, he's another one who still, still amazes me. Um, well, you know, when we film, I'm, I'm impressed with everything. It's like he, he gets better and better. And, you know, when he first started coming to Philly, that that was another he, he, it reminded me of, of Jimmy McDonald, where, you know, he, he was it was some of the craziest stuff I had ever filmed here before. And I, I he was blowing people away, like when he first showed up in, in Philly, I'm trying to remember, I think he was here two months and he filmed, you know, like two full video parts. And I remember the same day he uh, he switched back tail to Muni rail. Later that night, he did the ollie up back lip on the Fred Gall rail at Love. Oh, God. Oh, but damn. yeah, ju- just to do both of those on the same day is like, how is this even possible? Was he, in, uh, was he in school at the time or was it like no, pure skating? They, this was right before school. This, he, he visited Philly, decided he really liked it. And then uh, after that trip, he moved to here maybe like a year later. That's in one day. That's like just the fact he was able to get, he was able to crank out two parts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was like two months. He was here in the fall. He did his Welcome to Adidas part and then a lot of stuff in uh, oh, the Sabotage part. Yeah, Sabotage 3. He filmed those both within like two, two and a half months. So speaking of fits, do you have a preferred <laughs> outfit for filming and do you have a preferred shoe? Oh, man. I, I To be honest, I'm like the most plain guy. I pretty much wear some black pants and either like a gray tee or white tee every day. What about the the footwear though? Because you're pushing along, you're keeping um, up. Maybe you're skating a little bit. Like, is there is there something about like your shoe selection that does affect like how you're filming and how you're feeling on the board with a camera and with all your gear that day? Not in particular, uh, to, if I'm being totally honest. Uh, I, I I wear the Gazelle a lot, that Adidas shoe, whether it's a skate version or just like the original. But yeah, I wouldn't say it's necessarily great for filming or anything like that. But I, I've seen some filmers will have like an extra shoe with them because they're dragging the one toe. Ah, uh, um, yeah, I, you're I, right. I, yeah, they'll be wearing two different shoes. But I, yeah, I've never, honestly, I've never put too much thought into uh, a specific shoe or, you know, that would work better to, to film. That's funny. I said extra push, push shoe or drag <laughs> shoe. So as we kind of get towards the end i wanted to ask about some other projects you've got you're working on a love park documentary and a blueprint documentary what's the status of those things oh the blueprint i don't know if that'll happen that was uh that was a possibility i asked dan mcgee about a while ago but i am doing something about danny or not oh um, sick and that, oh, that should be done that should be done this year it's kind of about his whole life his accident uh his recovery uh, i'm sure you guys are familiar with, yeah. the, or with bits of his story, but I, I don't think people really know the details of his accident or like how badly injured he was. So yeah, I have about a 70 minute edit right now and I actually have someone helping me kind of rework some things and an editor who's worked on docs for you know over 10 years and, and really knows his stuff. So he's helping me wrap that up and yeah, ho- hopefully this year that, that can be ready to go. And, you know, the goal would be to get it on some kind of platform you know, an Amazon or a Hulu or something like that, but uh, we'll have to see. Did you get any insight into DC Shoes' attempt to pay $1 million to the city of Philadelphia to help renovate Love Park and make it skatable? Did anybody speak from the municipal side or from the from DC side want to talk about that? I had spoken to someone who, uh, a former skater, works for um, the city government in Philly now, and he said kind of one of the biggest reasons that was denied is i guess if if all city council doesn't agree on something they're just they're not going to do it you know i'm sure it's like a partnership and um i think the majority were were willing to accept that and be good with it but from what i was told 
whoever is responsible for that center city district, I don't know if they were looped in, in the conversation or if they were part of like the negotiation, but they uh, they decided against it. And since it was their their area of the city or their zone, uh, I guess everyone decided to turn it down, which is crazy. Yeah, pure pure politics. Shout out to all my fellow civil servants who also skate out there. Um, yeah, that sounds way more complicated, and I can see how how messy that could get, especially with a big city like Philly. And like, what what are some of the things? What are some of the surprises that you've unearthed as you've been going through the history of such a spot? Because has there has there been even like a, an EMB documentary? I don't think there has. I, I've I've said uh, to Aaron Mesa that he needs to do that. Because you know, uh, he he'd asked me about the love doc, and he, you know he's got all the footage from there. I feel like he would be the one. Like him and uh, Jacob Rosenberg. Yeah, yeah. Man, there's there's been talk about an EMB documentary like for like seventeen years. Like there's, I heard like there's someone was going to write a book or something. That would be that would be pretty big. Yeah, that came out, but. And the lesson should be that like especially looking at hip hop with um you know Bismarck Key is in uh, critical condition right now. Um, may even be brain dead you know you got to get these conversations while people are alive because otherwise the stories just disappear mm -hmm. i mean i think i've learned too with the love park doc how how big a project it is like it's it's definitely gonna be it's gonna be tough man um i'd say right now i've focused more on archiving like you know tracking down people who had tapes they didn't even know about so 2020 w was good for that. I couldn't really interview anyone, you know, with everything happening. And I've probably only done maybe 10 to 15 interviews, to be honest. And, you know, there's hundreds of people I still need to, to sit down with. And uh, but but the footage I've come across. Um, are you familiar with Roger Brown? He was kind of like one of the earliest uh, sponsored Philly skaters. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So he, he came down here uh, last January. We spent the weekend filming, interviewing, and uh, he's kept in touch with the guy who filmed him back then. We went to his house and he had eight VHS tapes going back to 1986. So that's, that has to be you know the first documented Philadelphia skateboarding that I was able to track down. It's in good condition. But yeah, some amazing footage. The ledges aren't even waxed at love. There's no sign in there. And, and Roger's board side in the ledges. Because he said that you know they had rails on their boards back then they weren't they didn't need to wax stuff so it's cool to see that footage a lot of people doing freestyle in there so I, I'd say I've made a lot of progress with that I, I've gotten this really early footage I've gotten all Bill Strobeck's tapes digitized Fern Laird so on on that end of things yeah it's going good but at the same time I, I have to interview so many people and. Uh, just just navigate a lot of different accounts of, of what happened, you know, during those early years. I think there's a lot of discrepancy. And it's tough because all, all I can do is, is present kind of what people tell me. I can't really decide who, whose story's right and whose story's wrong. I have to just kind of present everything and, and let the viewer decide. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a long road. But at the same time, I mean, it, it needs to be done. And I feel like... Uh, a good chunk of the work is is already completed with the digitizing and you know going through hundreds of hours of footage yeah i'll tell you what a lot of people are gonna be stoked when that finally drops yeah i i think it's it's got to be a series too that's the other thing there's just so oh, yeah. much in there that to to fit that into two hours is, is impossible no, I need like a joint that I can watch over like a long weekend or yeah. heaven forbid next time I'm sick, I'll just post up with that instead of daytime television. <laughs> and and even, I don't know, we have to see what happens with uni because in a way that's that's a big part of it. I mean, it's fully influenced by, you know, what happened at Love and, and uh, what those guys did back then. So that, that's almost that's almost like the uh, the end of the dock is, is when, when uni's finally gone. Oh, wow. Well, we probably won't be stoked when Muni's gone. But that brings us to the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on. And Chris, since you're the guest, we'll start with you. Chris, what are you stoked on this week? Uh, I really like that Grace video that just came out. I, I've watched that a few times. T Tim did a really good job. And uh, I'm a big fan of all those guys from Boston. Yeah, incredible video. Patrick, what are you stoked on? So I'm stoked on a fresh set of Venture trucks. I just set up a Christmas complete for the high summer now that summer is actually in full gear. It's 4th of July weekend. Definitely trying to get out tomorrow. Um, going back up to 56s. 
I was rocking this Spitfire 52s, then 53s, but I got to go back to East Coast sizing. Um, still disappointed that France got knocked out of the Euro Cup, but I am stoked on England's Raheem Sterling, though not on the England team. And finally, I'm stoked for another three-day weekend. I'm stoked for Fourth of July weekend. Jason, what are you stoked on? I'm stoked on venture trucks out of San Francisco, California. I, too, am stoked on the Grace video. Listen, we talk about those Boston kids a lot on this podcast, and uh, they don't miss. I tried to think of a time when they missed, and I couldn't think of one. So if you're into like the Boston ledge uh, samurais, then definitely check that out. And also stoked on the latest installment in the greatest film series of all time, Fast and the Furious 9. I saw it in the theater last weekend. If you're a fan of the series, you got to see it. I mean, you pretty much know what you're going to get. There's going to be like a big big chase scene in the first act, big chase scene in the second act, big chase scene in the third act. But a lot of important, I guess, plot points in the saga are revealed. So if you're a fan of the series, or even if you're not, like it's, it's fucking awesome. I love it. Uh, Templeton, what are you stoked on this week? I'm stoked on a documentary from KCET. That's a public television station out in California. It's a documentary about Sister Carita. She's a pop artist from uh, the 60s who is also a nun. Uh, it's called Carita Kent, pop art nun. And um, she's, she's somebody that I find like to be pretty inspirational and um, yeah, worth checking out. So that'll be linked in the show notes, obviously. That's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out mostlyskateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about and other show notes. Until next time, you can keep up with us all week online. Uh, Jason, where can the people find you? On the Twitter, at Carbonite1994. On the Instagram, at Frozen and Carbonite. And writing stuff for quarterstacks.com. Patrick, where can the people find you? All right, you can find me on Twitter, at Colonel K Speaks. That's Colonel, like the military rank. And you can find me on Instagram, and I guess on Clubhouse at Picagongo. <laughs> Chris. You know, we gotta get on we gotta get on Clubhouse for the summer. <laughs> Why, man? We try to get fits off. We need to hang out in person this summer. <laughs> Chris, uh, oh, yeah, where can the people time. we're outside this summer, <laughs> Catch me outside. How about now? Yeah. Chris, uh, where can the people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Instagram uh, at C. Mulhern. Templeton, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Mostly Skate and on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding. We'll see you guys next week. There. Be safe, though.
Thank you.